Welcome back friends to your daily dose of ancient wisdom. We continue our reading of Srimad Bhagavata, Book 1, Discourse 19. Parikshit takes a vow of fasting till death and Sukha pays a visit to him. Sutta continued. Now that the king too felt much troubled at heart at the thought of his reproachful conduct and said to himself, Oh, like a vulgar man, I have behaved very ignobly with that innocent Brahmana of hidden spiritual power. As a result of disrespect shown by me to the Lord himself in the form of that saint, some calamity hard to overcome will surely befall me not long afterwards. Let it come directly to me by all means for expiation of my sin so that I may not have the courage to repeal it. Let fire in the shape of an angered Brahmana race consume this very day, the kingdom, the army, and the rich treasures of my accrued self, so that I may not harbor a sinful thought with regards to Brahmanas, the gods, and the cows hereafter. While thus reflecting, he presently heard how death impelled by the curse of the sage's son abated him under the appellation of Takshaka. He looked upon the fire-like poison of Takshaka as a blessing, for he thought the same would speedily arouse dissipation in him who was deeply attached to the world. Now renouncing this as well as other world, both of which he had already concluded as worth rejecting, and recognizing the adoration of Sri Krishna's feet as superior to everything else, he sat down on the banks of the Ganga, river of the immortals, with resolve to fast until death. The Ganga carries in it the water which excels all other waters due to its contact with the dust of Sri Krishna's feet mixed with lovely tulasi leaves borne on them and sanctifies all the worlds both above and below, along with their guardian deities, Indra and others. What dying man would not resort to this holy river? Having thus resolved upon fasting till death on the bank of Ganga, which flows from the feet of Lord Vishnu, and shaken off all attachments to the world, King Parikshit, the sign of Pandu, took a vow to lead the life of a hermit and fixed his mind on the feet of Lord Krishna, the bestower of liberation, with undivided devotion. There arrived with their pupils of great spiritual power those who brought sanctity to the whole world. Under the pretext of visiting holy places, the saints generally consecrate the place of pilgrimage themselves. There came Atri, Vasishtha, Chavana, Sharadwan, Arishtanemi, Bhrugu, Angira, Parasara, the father of Vedavyasa, Vishwamitra, the son of Gadhi, Rama, more powerfully known as Parasurama, Uthaya, Indrapramada, Idhavamadhava, Medhati, Devala, Arishtanemi, Bharadwaja, Gautama, Pippalada, Maitreya, Aurava, Kavasa, the jar-born sage Agastya, the island-born Vedavyasa, 
and divine sage Narada, as well as other distinguished celestial and Brahmana sages and eminent royal sages, besides other sages such as Aruna, seeing the foremost of many Rishi families gathered there, the king received them with due honor and bowed his head to them. When they were all comfortably seated, he made obedience to them once more and standing before them with joint palms, told them his gleeless heart what he had intended to do. The king said, We are the most blessed of all monarchs, possessing as we do a character which has deserved the grace of the noblest souls. Alas, the race of the kings of the ruling class is generally far removed from, deprived of the privilege of being on their head, the water in which the feet of Brahmanas have been washed. Their doings are so reproachful. To me, so sinful and ever so deeply attached to the home, the Lord himself, who is the ruler of the entire universe, has come in the form of a Brahmana's curse that has aroused in me a feeling of aversion to worldly enjoyments. For under such a curse, one who is deeply attached to the world speedily develops dissipation. May the Brahmanas assembled here, as well as the goddess Ganga, know me as a devotee who has approached them for protection, having fixed his mind on the Lord. Urged by the Brahmana, let someone who has cunningly assumed the form of Takshasa or Takshasa himself bite me at will. Meanwhile, I implore you to sing the stories of Lord Vishnu. Bowing once more to you, the Brahmanas, I pray in every birth I take hereafter, may I be blessed with the devotion of the immortal Lord Sri Krishna, strong attachment for noble souls, depending on him and the friendship for all. Thus resolved, and having placed the kingly responsibilities on the shoulders of his old, own eldest son, Janame Jaya, the wise king sat down on the southern banks of Ganga, a spouse of the deity presiding over the oceans, on the blades of Kusha, which their roots turned to the east, himself facing the north. When the king of kings, Emperor Parikshit, had thus taken his seat with a vow to fasting till death, hosts of gods in heaven shouted applause and joyfully rained down flowers on him on earth while drums were sounded again and again. The great rishis who had assembled there were benevolent to the people by their very disposition and spent all their energy in conferring benefits to them. They too applauded the king and approved of his resolve, exclaiming, Splendid! and spoke words which fitted well with the kings who are deeply impressed with the virtues of Lord of excellent renown. O chief of royal sages, this is no wonder in you, the sign of Pandus, devoted as you are to Sri Krishna, for in your eagerness to attain the proximity to the Lord, you have speedily renounced the imperial throne against which kings robbed their crowns. Now, 
We shall all remain here till this king, who is foremost among the devotees of Lord, has cast off his mortal coil and ascended to the highest abode of the Lord, which is beyond the reach of Maya and free from sorrow. On hearing these words of sages, impartial, sweet, full of deep significance and true, Parikshit greeted the sages who had all become one with a supreme spirit and eager to hear the stories of Lord Vishnu, Sri Krishna replied to them as follows. Shining like the Vedas that abide in visible form, in the highest heaven, the Satyaloka or Brahma's abode, you have all come together from every quarter and you have no purpose of your own to achieve in this world or the next except doing good to others, which is your innate disposition. Reposing faith in you, therefore, O Brahmanas, I ask you this question, which is the only question worth asking in regards to my duty. Tell me, O learned sages, after due deliberation, what innocent course should be pursued by all under every circumstance and in particular by those who are about to die. King Parikshit asks here the following two questions. What should a mortal do at all times and under all circumstances? And secondly, what is the duty of a man who is about to die? He puts these two very questions to the sage Sukha later on and as a matter of fact it is these two questions that have been answered at length by the latter in the course of the following 11 books of Srimad Bhagavata. Meanwhile there arrived on the scene Wandering about on earth at will, the divine Sukha, the son of Vyasa, who was indifferent to the world and had no visible marks of any particular Varna, greater the society, or ashrama, the stage of life, on his person, who was contended with the realization of his own self and was surrounded by women and children and who wore the appearance of an ascetic that had renounced all worldly attachments and connections. Sixteen years of age, with tender feet, hands, thighs, arms, shoulders, cheek and frame, he had a lovely countenance with large eyes, a prominent nose, symmetrical ears, beautiful eyebrows and a conch-like shapely neck. His collarbone was hidden with a fleshy frame. His chest was broad and prominent. His navel deep and spiral like an eddy, and his belly looked charming with threefolds. He was stark naked, with hair flung about his face, had long arms, and shone like one of the highest gods. He possessed a swarthy complexion and captivated the heart of women by his charming youth, graceful limbs, and winsome smiles. Although he had concealed his spiritual glow behind a crazy appearance, the sage present there recognized him by his characteristic features and rose from their seats to receive him. King Vishnu Ratha Parikshit, so-called because his life has been perceived by Lord Vishnu, 
that is Krishna himself, of whom he have spoken before, bowed his head to the stranger who had called on him on his own accord and did homage to him. The ignorant women and children thereupon withdrew and worshipped by all the sage occupied an exalted seat. Surrounded by hosts of Brahmana sages, royal sages and the celestial sages, the divine Sukha, who was the greatest among the great, shone most representant even as the moon in the midst of other planets, constellations and stars. When that sage of unfailing wisdom had taken his seat, fully composed, the king who was a devotee of Lord approached him and touched his feet with his head, stood attentive before him, then bowing again with joined palms, he questioned this sage in sweet accent. Parikshit said, Oh, how blessed are we today, O holy sage, in that we, while Kshatriyas, have been considered worthy of a visit by saints and have been so graciously consecrated by you by calling on us as our guests. Men's houses are instantly purified by your remembrance, much more by your sight and touch, by washing your feet, offering a seat to you, and so on. Men's worst sin, O great yogi, are wiped out at once by your very presence, even as the demons are by the presence of Lord Vishnu. I presume Lord Sri Krishna, the friend of Pandavas, is pleased with me. It is for the pleasure of his cousins, the Pandavas, that he has acted in a friendly manner even towards me, their scion. Otherwise, how could we human beings, much less those who are about to die, obtain the privilege of seeing you, whose moments are so obscure and who have to die? Obtain the privilege of seeing you, whose moments are so obscure and who have fully realized the object of human life and live in a lonely forest. Therefore, I inquire of you, the greatest perceptor of yogis, the character and the means of the highest realization. Nay, what should be done under all circumstances by a man who is on the verge of death? Mm -hmm. Again, tell me, my Lord, what should be done by men in general? What should they hear? What should they repeat with their tongues? What should they keep in their mind? What should they resort to and what should they avoid? For nowhere, O divine sage, are you seen to stay at the door of a householder even for a brief space of time taken in milking a cow. Sutta continued. Thus addressed and questioned by the king in soft accents, the divine Sukha, the son of Badarayana, who was conversant with dharma, made answers as follows. Thus ends the 19th discourse entitled The Visit of Sukha in Book 1 of the Great and Glorious Bhagavata Purana, otherwise known as the Paramahamsa Samhita, composed by sage Vyasa and consisting of 18,000 slokas. This also marks the end of Book 1. 
Thank you.